Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Just because He is so worthy, He's good. He's worthy of our affection. He's worthy of our worship. You know, we just believe that church ought to be the most exciting place on the planet because we are worshiping, we are praising the greatest one uh, today. I was even thinking that we're praising the greatest team, that we are cheering, we're in the stands, we are cheering for the greatest team that the world has ever known or the world will ever know. It is the team of the Father, the team of the Son, the team of the Holy Spirit. We are praising the greatest team that's ever lived. People love to praise and celebrate greatness. And we, as the body of Christ, we have the greatest team to praise and celebrate. So church ought to be the most exciting celebratory place on the planet because the redeemed of God have so much to be thankful for. Amen? The redeemed of God have so much to be thankful for. You know, today is a special today, and I just want to give a special shout out and welcome to our Marshall County uh, Girls Varsity uh, Lady Marshall basketball team, and also our Marshall County Boys Varsity basketball team. A special shout out to them. Just so thankful that they're in our service today. So let's just give God a hand clap of praise for them and their lives and the special the real special honor that it is to have them today. And we gave a little special uh, shout out in the bulletin this morning. And I had to send a disclaimer to my Callaway people today because I wanted them to know that, you know, we're for Callaway students too. And we have McCracken County students and we're for all students. Amen. We are for all students. But today is a special day because I know that our teams are preparing their hearts and their minds for a uh, a, a really special week because all their hard work and the time that they've put into it and parents and fans as well. Uh, it's coming to a, a really key point this week because this is the district tournament and everything that they've practiced for and worked for and uh, got up early in the mornings for and drove their parents out of bed to get them to practice for. Uh, it's coming to a point this week. And, and you know, our prayer for them as a body, is that, is that Jesus would be glorified. That, that Jesus would be glorified in their lives and, and how they play and how they represent. And Today is not about putting any pressure on them. It's about setting them free to be who, all who God wants them to be. And uh, we just want you guys to know that we're praying for you and we're behind you and you're a part of us. And so that's a great honor. You know, God really does have a sense of humor. He really does. Uh, and we'll be in Philippians 2 here in just a second. But growing up all my life as a Laker, all my life as a Laker, I thought only the devil wore orange. <laughs> Some of you are thinking he still does. <laughs> I thought only the devil wore orange. And I, growing up, was a Laker through and through. After all, my grandfather was superintendent of the Callaway school system. He was principal 
of the consolidated Callaway County High School. He even penned the words to the Callaway County Laker fight song. And so it shows you that God has a tremendous, tremendous sense of humor because about 20 years ago, he took this Laker and he planted him to do ministry and to do life in the county seat of Marshall County. Now, I've had people to come to me and ask me, now, Brother Allen, how, how in the world did you ever come to put on orange? God placed you over there in Marshall County. And you know what, what I would tell them? I would just repeat what the, the Apostle Paul would say, right? To my Callaway people, I would just repeat what Paul said, that I became all things to all men, that by all means some might be saved. <laughs> and then to my Marshall County friends, right? They would say, Brother Allen, all those years as a Laker, you know, what's going on with you? How did you come over here? And then I would say to, him, to them, well, you know, uh, the Lord Jesus is in the redemption business. Amen? He is in the redemption business. But what a great opportunity we have today to maybe to set our hearts and our minds, not just our teams, but our people, to where they need to be today. In Philippians chapter 2, I want to share with you what I think is one of the greatest principles in life that you'll ever that you'll ever know of, hopefully that you'll ever experience or practice in your life. You know, I came to know Jesus when I was nine. And some of those years I didn't walk real close with Him. But in the years that I have walked with the Lord, I've come to realize something really important. If you're taking notes today, it's on the back of your bulletin. I've come to realize that the ways of God are so often counterintuitive to the ways of the world. The ways of God are so often counterintuitive to the ways of the world. In other words, the ways of God are so many times the opposite of the ways of the world. I've come to realize that if you want to survive in this life, you have to adopt and embrace the ways of God. In order to survive in this life, to survive in this world, you have to adopt and embrace the ways of God. Here's some, another step to that later, okay? So if you're following me, we come to learn that the ways of God are opposite to the ways of the world. But if you're going to survive in this world, you have to adopt the ways of God. Here's your third layer to that. If you want to succeed. If you want to have victories in your life. If you want to succeed and have victory in this world. You must also practice the ways of God. So it's not just a matter of surviving. It's a matter of thriving. God desires for us as His people not to just survive in this life. But He wants us to thrive. We thrive by embracing and practicing the ways of the Lord. One of the beauties of redemption is that when you give your life to Jesus, the very life of Jesus comes and lives inside of you. And then you let and allow the life of Christ out of you. You get to live and walk and do whatever you do in a state of rest and peace while He works mightily through your life. So you have today, you, if you know Christ, you have the keys. You have the power that you need to succeed, to live victoriously in this 
life. One of the greatest principles I've ever been introduced to in my life. We're going to look at this in Philippians chapter 2. But this principle was first taught to me by a man who also wore a South Marshall jersey many, many years ago. One of our own quote-unquote legends, if you will, he introduced me to this principle that I promise you, if practiced in your life, it will be the key to your marriage. It will be the key to your other relationships. It will be the key to your team. It will be the key to your organization. Whatever you're a part of, if you practice this principle and let Christ practice this through you, then I really believe that you're going to find some peace, you're going to find some joy, and I believe that you're going to find some victories and success along the ways. It's called the principle of the cross. It's the principle of the cross. This principle basically defined is this. When you practice the principle of the cross, this means that you do what you do for what someone else gets out of it. The principle of the cross is you. You doing what you do for what someone gets out of it. So when you practice the principle of the cross in your marriage, you are doing what you do for what your spouse gets out of it. When you practice this in relationship to your family, you do what you do for what your children get out of this. When you practice this within your organization, you do what you do for the people around you for what they get out of it. And when you practice this in regards to your team, you do what you do for what the others on your team, the team itself, gets out of it. It's the principle of the cross, doing what you do for what someone gets out of it. Jesus Himself practiced this principle. This is a principle that is also identified within the Godhead. When you think about the greatest team on the planet, it is the team that is found within the Godhead. It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when you look at what Jesus did when He came on this earth, Jesus did what He did for what the Father got out of it. He lived a submitted life. He followed the Father. He listened to the Father. He did what He did for what the Father got out of it. He also did what He did for what the Spirit got out of it. The Spirit gets a temple. The Spirit gets a body. The Spirit gets you. He did what He did for what the Spirit gets out of it. And when you look at what the Spirit did, the Spirit did what He did to glorify Jesus and to honor the Father. So if you look at this principle within the greatest team on the planet, which is the Godhead, then you see how much the Father loves the Son, the, lo the Son loves the Spirit, the Spirit loves the Father, the, the Spirit loves the Son. It just goes all the way around. And here is one of the most amazing beauties of the principle of the cross is that when it is embraced and accepted in your life, your family, your team, your organization, when it is embraced, everyone wins. When it's embraced, everyone is looking out for everyone else. It is so counterintuitive to the world because the world says, go get yours. The world says, you're the man. You need to be the person. You need to win. You need to do this. You need to do that. And so many times we think that if anybody's going to look out for me, it's got to be me looking out for me. And it's counterintuitive because when you think about it, when you begin to do what you do for other people, get out of it, you start, what about me? What about me? 
But if you are surrounding yourself with people who live by the same principle, everyone wins. Because as you're looking out for another, someone else is looking out for you. This is what defines true champions in this world. And when you think about it, and you think about the great ones over the years, you think about guys like Michael Jordan. You know, you, but you, you don't get Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen. You don't get Jordan without Steve Kerr. When you think about Larry Bird, you don't get Larry Bird without Kevin McHale. You don't get Kevin McHale without Danny Ainge. When you think about Tom Brady, you don't get Tom Brady without Bill Belichick. These are examples and cases all throughout even sports and athletic history where they might not have even known it, but they were practicing the spiritual principle of the cross. They might not have even known it. And because of that, we call them the great ones. You know, Jesus is the great one. He's the greatest one. And in Philippians chapter 2, we see this principle lived out in large form. Paul writes to the church of Philippi. We'll provide the words for you on the screen. He says, and notice some of these words here in the text, okay? Just notice some of the words. We've highlighted some of them for you today. He says, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion. And these are things that I think everyone would want to have in their life. Is there anyone here today who ever needs any encouragement? Anyone who ever needs any encouragement? Yeah, we all do, right? Is there anyone here? And by the way, wow, 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 wow. So many times we have the opportunity to speak life or to speak death to people. We speak life or we speak death. We speak life or we speak death. Is that not right? Have you ever needed to be encouraged and someone came along you, alongside of you and they spoke life into your life? They spoke encouragement into your life and through the avenue of encouragement, you found the ability to press on. Listen to these words again if there's any encouragement. What about any compassion? Does, do you ever need any compassion in your life? Affection. Fellowship of the Spirit. If there's any of these, Paul says, make my joy complete by being of the what? By being of the same mind. Means having a common purpose. Coming together with one goal and one heart. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, may, maintaining the what love? By the way, if your neighbor's asleep right now, go ahead and give them an elbow and just say, go ahead and wake up. You cannot have your morning nap now. Having the same love, united in spirit and intent on what? And intent on what? Okay, you were supposed to have been awakened a minute ago by your neighbor, and apparently you didn't. But anyway, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on what? 
Thank you. Intent on one purpose. Does that sound like a team to you? Does that sound like an organization that is trying to do something together to you? Does it sound to you like a family that's trying to get through life? Verse 3. And here's the kicker. So if we desire these things in our lives and we all acknowledge that we need them, this is how it happens. In verse 3, he says, do nothing. Say that word with me, nothing, 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 nothing. You break that word down, it means no what, no what, no thing. The opposite of nothing is what? Something or everything. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Keywords, keywords, do nothing from selfishness. It's not about me, it's not about what I'm getting out of this. It's not about me getting my own. But it's about the role that I play in what we get out of it. I think moms are the perfect example of this. Uh, just, just thank God today for moms, okay? Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise for moms. You know, I know that moms, and they're not perfect, and moms don't always get it right. Now, if you're a mom, nobody else can say amen to that, but if you're a mom, you can say amen, okay? They don't always get it right, and we don't always have great track records of moms, etc. in our lives, but you know, great moms cannot be selfish, right? If you're a kid, and you think about what your mom's done for you, did y'all see Coach K's discussion this week with the team? I don't know if y'all caught that this week. But he was, very, he was talking very candidly to his Duke team about being a mom. And they're sitting around going like, what in the world are you talking about? And he pointed to the mothers in their lives who had made great sacrifice for them. And he was compelling his team to make sacrifices for the other guys in the room. He used moms as an example. Can't be a great mom if you're selfish, right? You can't be a great dad. You can't be a great teammate. You can't be a great church member. You can't be a great employee if you're selfish. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And then this is what's amazing. In the next part of this text, he says, have this attitude. What attitude? Have this attitude. What attitude? Have you ever heard someone say that attitude determines what? Al altitude, right? Attitude determines altitude. I'll never forget, I was trying to give one of my kids a pep talk. And my kids hate my pep talks. I was trying to give one of my kids, I think it was Katie, I can't remember, a pep talk. And we were talking about attitude. She was trying to get through a class last semester, 
She was, she was taken through Western Kentucky. Go Hilltoppers. And so she's taking this class, dual credit class. She was having not so great of an attitude. And I remember saying to her, Katie, don't you know that attitude determines altitude? And I preached that and I preached that and I tried to get her to be positive about the class. In fact, and it was a New Testament class, in fact, I said, to help your attitude, Dad will take the class with you. Because she understood from the video syllabus that she would have to write a 46-page paper. And I said to her, I've got a seminary degree. I didn't even have to write a 46-page paper in seminary. So to help your attitude, I will take the class with you. So I downloaded a printed copy of the syllabus after I'd already committed to take the class. And I read it. I said, Katie Grace, what have you done to me? It says four to six page paper. But I'm already in. And a few days later, I start complaining about something. I don't know. It's probably about y'all. I have no idea what I was complaining about. Not that I ever have anything to complain about because you are really awesome people. I'm so proud of you. But I was kind of complaining and Katie comes in. She says, Dad, you need to practice what you preach because attitude determines aptitude. Like, I didn't even say that. Attitude. Say that with me, just for the kicks of it. Attitude. Attitude. And what's in the middle of the word? I, but not about me, but how I approach life. And how I think about things, and how I process things, and how I look at things. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. You say, what attitude? It's this attitude. Here it is. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Verse next. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was the man. And this is speaking of his eternal relationship with the Father before he ever came to planet earth to love and to sacrifice and to die. But he did not regard his status, his equality with God, a thing to be grasped or held onto. He did not hang on to the honor and glory of himself. But his heart was to turn that around and to live for the honor and glory of the Father. And he came to this earth as a man. And in verse 7, this is what he did. And this is a key to greatness. He did what? But he emptied himself. He emptied himself. I promise you at some point in time you're probably going to hear go out there and lay it all on the line. 
Don't leave anything out there. Just give your all. We'll trust the results with the results. We'll trust God with the results. And some of you, you're trying to figure out, what, what do I do in this marital conflict that I'm in right now? What am I to do at this thing at work right now? Well, I, I need to stand up for myself. Well, I need, to, I need to make my needs known. And what you need to do is counterintuitive. He emptied himself. When people empty themselves, they, they live inspired lives. To continue to use on the sports analogy, I mean, you think about individuals in team athletics who we would consider great ones. There was moments in times that they were inspired. They played inspired. They emptied themselves for the greater good of the people around them. Have you ever heard of Mary Taylor? Come on, I am in Marshall County, am I not? She played on a state championship basketball team at Marshall County Lady Marshalls. And just to double check my facts today, I went to our ladies class because I knew that all of them would know all the history of Marshall County basketball. <laughs> I grabbed Phyllis Likens, Deb Woolfolk. We even had Sunday school around Marshall County basketball history. I think they know more about Marshall County history than they do about the Gospel of John. I just don't know about that. But anyway, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I am joking. Love my discussion this morning, but I got my facts straight. I think they're partly right. One of the greatest of all times at Marshall County, right? She was a Miss Kentucky basketball. Played on a state championship team. One of the leading scorers all time in Lady Marshall history. But someone posted an article about her this week. They posted this on their Twitter page account. So I just kind of zoomed into it and I started reading what she had to say. This is really interesting. So this was during her senior year at Marshall County. And the article was about the pressure that she was experiencing as a senior. And let's be honest. Sometimes life is full of pressure. Playing on a team, coaching a team, leading a family, leading a church. Just being a part of a family. Many times there can be a lot of what, just say that word with me, just pressure. I mean, even the word itself, pressure. And this is why when you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, there will never be an outside pressure that can match the internal greatness and power of the one who lives inside of you. People crack and crumble because they do not have inwardly what it takes to come against the pressure that is coming externally. But when you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, 
living and expressing His life through you, then there will never ever be any amount of pressure that will cause you to crumble or to crack because His life in you will always be greater than the pressure that comes outside of you. So she was talking about the pressure. Pressure. Of being on the senior team. She was a senior being on the team. All that was coming against her. And she said, but I had a relief valve. And I didn't get their permission to do this, so I'm sorry if I, whatever. Okay. But it was in the newspaper, so this is good, right? Okay, I just bailed myself out. Okay. But she had a relief valve her senior year, and her relief valve was a player by the name of Stephanie Gossam. She said, If I'm not doing well, she picks up the team. She picks the team up, and that picks me up. And then, whether she knew it or not, she practiced the principle of the cross because this is what she said. If my, she said, if we win, we win, and I don't care how much I score. Think about it. Miss Kentucky basketball. Played on a state championship team. All the accolades that could come to her. And in dealing with the pressure, she said, if we win, we win, and I, I don't care about I. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That one of the people or individuals that others would want to emulate or be like in an athletic career, that they think in order to get there, it has to be about them. When the truth is, when you're practicing the principle of the cross, and it's about other people and what they get out of it, if you truly have what it takes and what's needed for your team, you don't have to worry about what's coming to you being fair or right. And if you think about it, if in our families, in our churches, and we all practice the principle of the cross, then we're all looking out for one another. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And watch this in verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, when Jesus practiced the principle of the cross, he did that with you in mind. God the Father looked upon the estate of humanity, the brokenness of humanity and their sin. What is the answer? What is the solution? And he sent Jesus. And when Jesus did what He did and practiced the principle of the cross, He didn't just do what He did for what the Father got out of it or what the Spirit got out of it, but He did what He did for what you would get out of it. We're here today because of the principle of the cross. And the principle of the cross is tied to the cross, and what's tied to the cross is the death of this Holy One. Jesus. 
But if you know anything about the cross of Jesus, He allowed Himself to be broken, to be bruised. He sacrificed Himself for what others got out of it. He went to a cross and He died. But if you know anything about the cross of Christ or His story, you know that His story does not end in death or defeat upon a cross. It ends in victory. Because He did not stay dead. But the very one who sacrificed Himself then allowed, or rather, the power of God comes over him in a tomb of defeat and raises him to life. He sacrificed himself, but he became the victor. Victory is in resurrection power. We don't just focus on the cross of Jesus, but we also focus on the sacrifice and the risen life because that's where we live. That's how we get victory in our lives. We have, as we sang this morning, not cross power or death power, but we have resurrection power. Because God, watch this, God exalts those who humble themselves in His name. For this reason, verse 9. For this reason also God highly exalted Him. Humility. Death. Crucifixion. Serving others. And then in turn, God exalts Him. And then gave Him a name. The greatest name of all. And bestowed on Him the name. The name, the great name that comes out of sacrifice and brokenness and death and defeat. And surrender. The name which is greater than any other name. The name which is above every name. This is why He is a part of the greatest team ever. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will do what? That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven on earth and under the earth. And every, every, every. Say that word with me. Every, 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 every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. At some point in time, everyone will acknowledge the greatness of the one who sacrificed all. Paul reiterates it other times in his own personal life, guys, the principle of the cross. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, listen to this, verse 11. He said, For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And if it's the life of Christ that wants to come out of your life and you know Jesus, then you will never, ever, ever find true peace or fulfillment until you are operating in the principle of the cross. You are made to sacrifice in Jesus. You are built for this. You are prepared for this. You have been empowered 
to live a sacrificial life doing what you do for what somebody else gets out of it. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. No matter what you do. No matter where you are. You're in a game, you're out of a game, you're in life, whatever you're doing. People will be encouraged by what they see happening in your life while you do it. If they see this, if they see this, and they see that inspiration, then their life's blessed by it. And they're encouraged by that. But if they see selfishness, nobody wants to buy a ticket to any game to watch selfish people do what they do for themselves. And nobody will go to a selfish church. And nobody will apply for a job that's full of selfish people. No one wants to go to a selfish school. No one wants to be a part of a selfish club. The key of the principle of the cross is the key to life. 2 Corinthians 5.13 reiterated again in the Apostle Paul's life. For if we are beside ourselves. If we are beside ourselves. Have you ever heard someone say, well, she was just all beside herself. I mean, she's kind of out of herself. She's out of herself. Oh, she was beside herself. She wasn't in touch with her. She was beside her. Oftentimes we talk about it in a negative sense. Paul's talking about it in a positive sense. If we are beside ourselves, outside of ourselves, in a positive sense, it is for God. If we are of a sound mind, Paul writes to the Corinthian believers, it is for you. And this was Paul's way of saying that I myself, I have been beaten, I have been scorned, I, I have been shipwrecked, I have been hungry, I have done all of these things, but I did it for you in the name of Jesus. And as a result of that brokenness of life, he followed the principle of the cross, and we regard him to be one of the greatest missionaries to ever live. Great words of wisdom from my dear friend, Bob Warren. He wrote, he said, the Father will sum up all things in the Son. The Son in the process dedicates himself to the Father so as to reveal, glorify, and please the Father. After all things are subjected to the Son through the Father, the Son will reign over the entire universe. Once seated in this prominent position of power, the Son will turn everything over to the Father. Why? The Son is in relationship with the Father for what the Father receives. Never for what He receives. And vice versa. Even the Spirit does not glorify Himself, but the Son Meaning that the person of the Spirit lives with the same selfless mindset. Selfless mindset as the Father and the Son. God would have us. God would have us. God would have us operate 
from this same perspective, placing the interests of the Father, the Son, and Spirit, and others above our own Paul function in this manner. He served without regard to self, always placing God's interests and the interests of others first, the attitude of all who have progressed from self, self-centeredness, self-centeredness to other-centeredness to God-centeredness. The principle, the principle of the cross, which is selfless love, has eternally existed throughout time. It is displayed in time by the Son. It is explained by the Spirit. Thus, the principle of the cross, which demonstrates selfless love, must control our decisions if we are to embrace God's way of living. You really want to live like God? You really want your life to be explained in terms of God? Do you want your team, your organization, your church, your club, your family, your family, your family. Do you want people to look at your family life and go, wow, God. Then embrace and practice the principle of the cross. You ask the question, and some of our student athletes might be asking the question, So what does this look like on the court? What does this look like in the family? What does it look like? Here's what it looks like, I think. I think it looks like, or this is what will happen. Timing's perfect. Timing is always perfect. Timing is perfect. When you play with your head up. When you play with your head up. Because see, when you're playing with your head up, you're looking. You're taking the big picture into consideration. And when you're playing with your head up, here's what you're doing. You're looking for the best opportunity for your teammates and your team to succeed. When you play with your head up, you're looking for and you're anticipating the best opportunity for your teammates and your team to succeed. So when you drive in and you get pressured by life and three collapse on you, or four collapse on you, or five. Do the math. You're looking for the other person, the open person who can make the easiest basket. And then you succeed. And then the next time down the court, your teammates, they play with their head up. And they're looking and they're anticipating where is going to be the the best opportunity to succeed. And they're looking and they see you 
and they see you open. And they see you going down the lane and they're anticipating you being open and they pass the ball to you and you succeed. Not because it's best for you, but because it's best for the team. And everybody wins. And you win. And if you're like the people I shared with today, that's when you go down in history as a great one. And I submit to you today that Jesus is the greatest one ever. We're still talking about him 2,000 years ago. Why? Because he practiced the principle of the cross. And he did what he did for what others got out of it. Who wants to be a part of a team like that? Oh my gosh. Do y'all? You want to be a part of a team like that? You want to be a part of a marriage where when you've got their back, they've got your back? You want to be a part of an organization where when you've got your, 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 your partner's back, they've got your back? wants to be a part of something like that. That should be the impetus and the core of what the body of Christ is all about because Jesus is our head coach. And his life and his power lives through our veins and this is the greatest team and opportunity you will ever have in your life because one day you're going to hang up the jersey. You will not ever play the game again, but it will not matter how many free throws or points or field goals you scored. What will matter is do you have a relationship with Jesus or not? Can I put this in perspective? Where's Allie? God gave me a moment that I think was a God thing. It was right after the Murray game. The girls game at Murray. Sorry. Hate to bring it up. But you know, we're all sitting down there and it's like, I just wanted to throw up, right? Out of the corner of my eye, I see this girl who I graduated high school with. And she walked up to that area that was open, and I want you to know, she was not there for any game. Not at all. You see, this is my good friend who I went to school with, first grade through 12th grade. She was a good ball player. We played ball together. We went to high school together. I saw her that night at that game. She and her daughter came up. Her daughter, her daughter just flew in, just got back from the Mayo Clinic, Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and she just had brain surgery. There was a scar and staples down the side of her head. And fortunately, her long hair covered the side of her head. She was there. She was rather emotional. You know why? Because her life was about something that transcended the game on the court. She had been having brain surgery because she was having terrible, terrible seizures. In fact, during the brain surgery... Itself, the doctor said he observed her brain seizing, seizing, seizing. During the surgery, she was there because she wanted to see two 
of her good friends. And that was the only reason that she was there, because of a relationship. And finally, we got the attention of her two friends, and they ran over to her, her. They hugged her. The principal was there. I'm so glad you're here. This was a girl who was literally fighting for her life. And in that moment, God said, what we do out here is meaningful. It is significant. It has a place. But there are things about you. And there's things about your life. That's more important than what you ever do in a classroom or on a court. And it dawned on me that so many of us get to be blessed by the opportunity to do what we do. And I could, the only person I could find to share that with in that moment was Allie. And I grabbed her. I said, Allie. And I shared the story with her. And I hope Allie don't mind me saying it. She said, Brother Allie, I'm glad you shared that with me because I was stewing over here. Perspective. 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 I believe that within you, within your life, you have such value and greatness if you know Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you have within you what you need to live victoriously, to do what you do, to count yourself blessed, and to give it all you've got for His glory. The reason some of us will never succeed is because we've never played for anyone greater than ourselves. So won't you stand with us today? And let's just bow our heads for a second. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.